This is District Sentinel Radio, show about the news and haiku. I'm Sam Sachs. I am Sam Knight. We are broadcasting out of the Sentinel Fort in Washington, D.C. Check out the website districtsentinel.com. Subscribe at patreon.com slash district sentinel so you can catch the newscast of record for the left airing every monday through thursday don't miss a show by subscribing at patreon.com slash district sentinel we're going to read some poetry at the end of this show for one of our new subscribers let's uh, kick things off the same way we do with a lot of other shows by shitting on nancy pelosi the speaker of the house today in a closed-door caucus meeting with other Democrats, scolded progressives in the party for talking shit, basically. This comes a a few days after she was talking shit about the progressives in the party. Ayanna Presley, AOC, Rashida Tlaib, and Ilhan Omar. Here's some quotes from this uh, caucus meeting. Pelosi said, quote, You got a complaint? You come and talk to me about it, but do not tweet about our members and expect us to think that that is just okay. So don't tweet about the members, but it's okay to give an interview to the New York Times shitting on the members. Fake outrage. This is completely manufactured outrage. This is ridiculous. Pelosi started this. Like you said, this is obscene. Yeah. The entire progressive block, in particular, these four members that she targeted, all voted for her for speakership, have all supported her agenda, which has pissed us off a lot of uh, a lot of the ways they've been deferential to Pelosi. But that's the truth. Pelosi goes on, quote, I'm here to help the children when it's easy and when it's hard. Some of you are here to make a beautiful pate, but we're making sausage most of the time. <laughs> she goes on, I hope there will be some Fuck. level of respect and sensitivity for our each individual experience that we bring to this caucus. You make me the target, but don't make our blue dogs and our new Dems the target and all of this because we have important fish to fry. (laughs) Doing a lot of cooking here, making sausage, frying fish. Uh, The point is don't criticize centrists. Whatever you do, do not criticize centrists. Pelosi saying this, despite the fact that it was the centrists who mounted a challenge to her own speakership, it was the centrists who blew up that deal to put... Just the bare minimum of safeguards in the border spending bill. It was the the centrist that blew that up. But she's saying, oh, whatever we do, uh, let's not criticize the centrist. I don't know. Maybe I'm in a bubble. I'm in in a hate Pelosi bubble. I follow a lot of other people on Twitter that disagree with the speaker, both philosophically and strategically. Maybe I'm in that bubble, but... It sure seems like she's losing her grip here. I hope so. I hope this isn't just confirmation bias, but I do think she has come under fire from uh, the people who aren't on Capitol Hill just trying to lick her boots because for fundraising reasons or because they're just centrist dipshits themselves. But it, it really does seem like the rank and file uh, is increasingly losing it. I mean, we've criticized AOC on this show for playing too much ball with Pelosi, for not taking a stand, for taking some bad votes and some bad legislation Pelosi's brought forward, brought to the floor. And here Pelosi is more mad than we are. (laughs) 
Like I'm trying to think of I'm trying to parse this in my mind by thinking of who uh, which 2020 supporters which candidates of 2020 supporters actually like Pelosi. Bernie obviously not. Warren obviously not. Like Klobuchar maybe, probably does. Klobuchar probably Tulsi does. Tulsi Gabbard Tulsi probably Gabbard. does. No, no, I don't think so. But <laughs> the way she's defending Joe Biden now, I <laughs> well, can see maybe, her making a play. Yeah, maybe maybe she would. I'm thinking Buttigieg definitely. Yeah. Biden definitely. Even Harris, not so clear. So I don't know. I mean, it, it does seem like Pelosi is feeling the heat uh, from the base more and more. And hopefully this is signs that she is losing it because she had to have known that her meltdown here behind closed doors would make it to the press. There's zero, zero times does this happen, and it never leaves the room. It always leaves the room. Yeah. Part of the deal she struck to be speaker is that she would remain on through 2022 if Democrats keep the House. Why? Why? No way that's happening. No way that's happening. If Democrats please, keep the please. House, no way after all of this should uh, Pelosi continue to be speaker, uh, well, especially if Trump is reelected. As I was tweeting. Especially if Trump is reelected. Yeah. If you get Bernie, no way in hell. No, no way. way in hell should Pelosi be anywhere near the 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 levers of legislative making in the House. Well, I, as, I, as I was tweeting yesterday, I think that the Democrats, to maximize uh, their chances of success in 2020, Pelosi needs to step down as soon as possible. If not step down say that she is not seeking re-election in 2020. Otherwise, she is a fucking albatross hanging around the party's neck. And I fear that she won't do it unless Bernie gets the nomination. Maybe if Warren gets the nomination, she would too, but probably not. If if Bernie gets the nomination, though... She's going to lose her election because Shawhead is going to swamp her. Yeah, Shawhead is going to swamp her. And hopefully then she will see the writing in the wall. All, excuse me, the writing on the wall and uh, and just get the fuck out. Well, but she, she won't have a choice. She, <laughs> hopefully not. Hopefully not. You never know, though. What do you mean? Hopefully. If she loses her race, she's gone. Oh, yeah, but I mean, where I thought oh, you were yeah, also assuming, we're assuming that... We're it, assuming it, if she wins. Well, if Bernie gets the nomination, that, that we're, I guess we're assuming that means... If Bernie she, gets the nomination, he's going to be at the top of the ticket. It's going to drive out people who don't normally participate in politics, which is going to swamp Pelosi... In her race, because they do the they do the the right yeah. choice thing. So right. you could have Pelosi versus Shawhead on the general election no. ballot. Yeah, and inshallah, man. But San Francisco <laughs> is also full of rich right. tech dummies, yeah. and maybe yeah. they will come out sure. in droves for Pelosi. I don't know. I'm just right. saying we can't accept it as a as a done deal. All right. Bernie enough, gets a nomination. enough with the speculation. It's Wednesday, July 10th, 2019. Here's the news. You ever get the feeling that absolutely nothing fucking matters? I wrote that uh, not realizing we would do a whole riff on how nothing matters with Pelosi as speaker, too. So it really I'm really feeling it right now. Doubling down on the nothing matters. On Wednesday, the Fourth Circuit Court of Appeals blocked a lawsuit against President Trump, alleging that he's in violation of the Constitution's emoluments clause. The suit was brought by the state of Maryland and Washington, D.C., and it's centered on Trump's hotel in downtown D.C., which is frequented by foreign officials, thus providing the president with an emolument, which is in violation of the U.S. Constitution. But George H.W. Bush appointee Paul Niemeyer disagreed. In his ruling, he claimed it was, quote, speculative, speculative that foreign officials were staying at the hotel to benefit the president, that they could be staying there for other reasons. And 
He went on to say other people would likely avoid the hotel because of its association with the president, which is extremely strange reasoning coming from the judge. It seems to pardon unconstitutional behavior because other parties aren't engaged in the same behavior. I guess your brain warps when you've been on the bench for like 30 goddamn years. There's ample evidence that foreign officials are seeking out Trump property explicitly to benefit the president. Public Citizen has detailed many of these transactions, which always happen to coincide with foreign lobbying campaigns as well. Like that time that Saudi lobbyists spent hundreds of thousands of dollars on rooms at the Trump Hotel shortly after Trump was elected. In fact, the lobbyists switched from a hotel in Northern Virginia to the Trump Hotel after Trump had won. They made that switch in like December 2016. Representatives from Malaysia, Turkey, and Kuwait have all been recorded dealing with the Trump Hotel. Domestically, too, we had John Legere, the CEO of T-Mobile, very publicly appear in the hotel of the Trump lobby right after it was announced that T-Mobile and Sprint were trying to seek regulatory approval for their merger, for their proposed merger. Yes, dozens <laughs> and, of domestic groups and lobbying groups have, have done this. Yes. And, and, and in this case, there is literally evidence that Legere would not have stayed in the hotel otherwise because he tweeted out once that he never wanted to stay in Trump <laughs> hotels before Trump was elected. This was in like 2015. Yeah. <laughs> well, anyway. We know the way to get into the president's heart. Here's another banger from Judge Nymeyer. quote, even if government officials were patronizing the hotel to curry the president's favor, there is no reason to conclude that they would cease doing so where the president enjoined from receiving income from the hotel. After all, the hotel would still be publicly associated with the president, would still bear his name. It would still financially benefit members of his family. Yes, that's the whole fucking point. In other words, even if the president is in violation of the U.S. Constitution, there's nothing that could be done to prevent subsequent violations. That's according to Judge Nymeyer. That's some solid judicial reasoning right there. Judge Nymeyer obviously didn't mention it, but there's another way to prevent these constitutional violations. Removing the president from office. But that won't happen either, which brings us back to how we started this story. Ever get the feeling that absolutely nothing fucking matters? <laughs> I mean, they could possibly order him to actually put his assets in a totally blind trust. But again, people would probably still, like Legere, go to the hotel and be seen there because yes. that's all you need to do. Moving on, Fed Chair Jerome Powell today addressed Facebook's proposal to introduce cryptocurrency, something that has Hell World written all over it. Here was Powell responding to a question from Maxine Waters, chair of the House Financial Services Committee. While the project's sponsors hold out the possibility of public benefits, including improved financial access for consumers, Libra raises many serious concerns uh, regarding privacy, money laundering, consumer protection, and financial stability. Uh, these are concerns that should be thoroughly and publicly addressed before proceeding. And that's why at the Fed, we've set up a working group uh, to focus on, on this set of issues. We are coordinating with our, our colleagues in the government, in the United States, the, the regulatory agencies and Treasury. We're coordinating with central banks and governments around the world to, to look into this. Um, and I'll just add that the process of addressing these concerns, we think, should be a patient and careful one and not a sprint to implementation. So it's reassuring that Powell here is committing to not ramming this 
Facebook cryptocurrency through. Though even if Facebook cryptocurrency ends up being a glorified Amazon gift card, a lot of people are still going to be ripped off by it for sure. For sure. Yeah. There's like a 0% chance that this isn't trying to be used to rip people off. Uh, plus, regulators should be looking at ways of breaking up Facebook, not giving it power to print money. <laughs> anyway, later in the hearing, committee members asked Powell about another matter, calls to raise the federal minimum wage to $15 per hour. On Monday, the Congressional Budget Office released a report predicting that such a hike would cause a slight increase in unemployment, though it conceded perhaps no increase in unemployment was possible. CBO also predicted a substantial increase in income for the poorest Americans, which is something that Republicans are conveniently ignoring in their fear-mongering over the unemployment predictions. I mean, putting aside the Congressional Budget Office report, at a local level, report after report that's been done has shown that raising the minimum wage does not have neg affect job growth negatively at yeah. all. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Powell addressed the issue by not addressing it. He said the Fed takes no position on the minimum wage increase, but perhaps he should, given his answer to another question about wage growth. Here's Powell again responding to Congressman Steve Stivers, specifically the Ohio Republican describing the current labor market as hot. 3.7% is a low unemployment rate, but uh, to call something hot, you need to see some heat. And while we hear lots of reports of labor, of, of companies having a hard time finding qualified labor, nonetheless, we don't see wages really responding. So I don't really see that as, as a current issue. Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez seized on this later in the hearing, bringing up the Fed's dual mandate to pursue both maximum employment and price stability. She noted how the Fed has overestimated the impact of higher employment on the inflation rate. Here she is getting Powell to basically admit that Fed forecasts are total bullshit. Unemployment has fallen about three full points since 2014, but inflation is no higher today than it was five years ago. Uh, given these facts, do you think it's possible that the Fed's estimates of the lowest sustainable unemployment rate may have been too high? Absolutely. <laughs> whoops. It, whoops, our bad. AOC and Powell then discussed how the unemployment rate and inflation used to be more positively correlated, but now they aren't. She brought this back to the minimum wage, but still no budging from Powell. Do you think that that could have implications um, in terms of policy making? that there's perhaps a room for increased tolerance of policies that have historically been thought to drive inflation or increase inflation. And one of the arguments about minimum wage or, or um, other policies that directly target middle-class Americans is that they could drive inflation. Uh, do you think that, that that decoupling is something that we should consider in modern policy considerations? Yeah, I think we, again, I wouldn't want to get into the, to the minimum right. wage uh, discussion directly. Uh, counterpoint, maybe you should get into that discussion directly because I feel like every time the Fed chair has testified over the past 10 years, whether it's uh, uh, Powell or whether it's Yellen, they all complain about how we're just not seeing workers' wages go up. Gee, if only there was something that fucking policymakers could do about it. Yeah. Good line of questioning there from AOC. Definitely. And I remember you have seen Fed chairmen and chairwomen come before Congress and say, look, we've done 
pretty much all we can do on our end. You all need to do some stimulus. That's right. They have, yeah. A, a, a Yellen, I think, had done that. Maybe yeah. even Bernanke, for fuck's sake. If anyone is wondering what IGIP Pi's right-wing FCC is up to these days, well, it's currently striking down local ordinances aimed at driving down broadband prices. Today, the FCC voted along party lines to preempt an ordinance in San Francisco that required landlords to open up their buildings to multiple internet service providers. The ordinance was passed to give residents cheaper options for internet. But all the way here in Pistown, the FCC was appalled by it. Even though the ordinance doesn't require it, Pi claimed it would have required service providers to share existing wire and infrastructure. That would actually be good as hell, and the way a lot of broadband networks operate in Europe, and it drives down prices and you get better internet for cheaper costs. But so much for bringing that model to the U.S., because when a local ordinance even barely smells like it, it's immediately struck down by the FCC. One of the two Democratic commissioners on the commission, Jessica Rosenworcel, blasted the FCC's decision. Quote, why is the FCC doing this? Why are we preempting an imaginary possibility in a city ordinance in San Francisco? She went on to call the decision, quote, crazy. Finally, another story reminding Bernie Sanders that he couldn't possibly be asking for his enemies to self-own as much as they do. Today, billionaire Israel supporter Chaim Saban said that Sanders is the only dim 2020 candidate he considers unacceptable. Oh, no, I'm sure Bernie is going to be just tearing at his shirt that another billionaire dickhead does not like him and only him. Look, Chaim Saban is going to be welcomed in Democratic circles. He's he's going to be applauded for the money he gives. Yeah, as even he already though, is. Even though, even though he's not following the rule of vote blue no matter who. <laughs> Therefore, we don't have to either. Saban told The Hollywood Reporter he supports all Democrats in the race before correcting himself. No minus one, he said. I profoundly dislike Bernie Sanders, and you can write it. I don't give a hoot. Saban continued, quote, he's a communist under the cover of being a socialist. He thinks that every billionaire is a crook. He calls us the billionaire class and he attacks us indiscriminately. It's the billionaire class, the bad guys. <laughs> Imagine having a billion dollars and uh, spending your time saying that means you should be a protected class. I suppose that you'd have to uh, think of yourself as a victim all the time to drive yourself to accumulate billion dollars in the first place. And that mentality just doesn't vanish overnight because you have a billion dollars. And in fact, it gets even worse and worse and worse. Like it's a fucking mental disease. I don't know. This reminds me like uh, of Howard Schultz saying that rich people should be called people of wealth. <laughs> These people are just addicted to victimhood. In addition to being known as a rich asshole who helped make the Power Rangers, Saban is also known for being a giant supporter of Israel. He also previously criticized Sanders, as many of you may remember, for the senator's very mild criticism of ongoing Israeli atrocities in the Gaza Strip. Unsurprisingly, the Sanders campaign seems thrilled that Saban lashed out at them. The campaign's website includes a section of anti-endorsement that includes Saban himself, also Jamie Dimon, Lloyd Blankfein, and other corporate leaders. Uh, political anti-endorsements include comments made by Third Way, the centrist think tank, and Alan Greenspan, the former Fed chair, uh, who might be most responsible 
for the 2008 Great Recession. Yep. Of yes. any one person. If you can say any one person is most responsible, perhaps the plurality of responsibility falls on the shoulders of Alan Greenspan. Only one time in my life have I voted on the presidential ticket for someone in the two major parties. That was for Barack Obama in 2008. I voted for Nader in 2004. I voted for Jill Stein in 2012. And I voted for Drill, <laughs> right in vote, yeah. for Drill in 2016. And in 2020, the streak will continue. I will not vote for a Democrat unless it is Bernie Sanders and I'd consider Elizabeth Warren. Yeah, that about sums it up for me too. Although the only way where uh, your and my histories differ is technically in 2016, I did vote for a candidate from a major party because I voted for Jeremy Corbyn. <laughs> we'll allow it. All right, that will do it for the newscast today. But we have reached the poetry portion of the show. All new subscribers on Patreon, patreon.com slash District Sentinel, get access to all the bonus content and they get their own haiku read on the air. I will take it away. This goes out to Matt. Told you so, I yell when Pelosi does this shit. World burns, but I'm right. Thank you, Matt. Really don't know how much it takes for me every morning on Twitter just to constantly say I told you so. Because <laughs> I fought with people so much in December of last year about this yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I, I think, uh, oh wait, I think my personal account was banned, but... Either yeah, way, told you, you so. You should spike that football every fucking told day. Told you so. I, I mean, you shouldn't even need the, the... It was obvious at the time. What? What's wrong with these people? Hey, call the rant line. 202-684-6108. Leave a message. We will play it on air. Thank you to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish Podcast, hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. Again, subscribe at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Last plug for today. We'll be back tomorrow. We're here in D.C., so you don't have to be.